Stop for Our Time contains graphic and explicit content. It may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. What's your favorite scary movie? where two 20-something LGBTs talk the horror movie of the week, real-life crime or events, and if it's worthy of being an honorary gay film. And yes, the titles are puns. I'm Elle. I'm Kate. Hello. Welcome to a good episode. We hope that we can do justice, too. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, thanks for voicing what I was saying I was afraid of before we hit record. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, so we are doing American Psycho. Uh, directed yeah. by Mary Heron and written by Guinevere Turner in the year 2000. It follows uh, a serial killer in the 80s uh, named Patrick Bateman. It was the breakout role for Christian Bale, as we all know. Like, he'd been working before. Mm-hmm. He, like, he was a child actor. Um, including yeah. Newsies! Yeah. But this was, like, they, they, had to, they had to fight for him for this role because he was still relatively unknown, but they knew that this was, like, their guy because of what he was doing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he apparently was, he says he was, like, channeling Tom Cruise, and I'm like, oh, everything makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he's like, I think he said in, like, when he was interviewed about it or something, he was like, uh, there was, like, this time he saw a Tom interview where he's like he looked yeah. like joyful but he was like dead in the eyes and he's like <laughs> just channeling that i'm like that's awesome yeah anytime like not not that i actually relate to a serial killer or anything but anytime he's like i'm simply not here just like i don't feel it i'm like wow same man <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's true Well, what are what are your first thoughts on this movie? I hadn't seen this movie before. It was a while ago, and then I rewatched mm-hmm. it uh, a couple days ago for this episode. And like, I forgot it was not nearly as violent as I thought it was. Um, yeah, not till like the end, really. Yeah, it's it's really quite tame. And like, I'm just thanking God that this was directed directed and like written by two women. Uh, to oh Ryan. yeah! And I'm just like, cause if a man had gotten a hold of this, and I'm just like, oh no. Oh yeah, we we can get into that now if you yes. want. That's one of my main talking yes. points. Is so like, so this was this the book. It's based on a book by a man, Brady Sinellis, um, who apparently doesn't think that. I forgot the quote. He's like, just he's like, film is just a medium that has to be like directed by men and everything. And I'm like, well, that's funny, cause like. Your, the best adaptation of your shitty book is by two women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, go off. Yeah, like, there's a really great um, piece on the, the Village Voice by Angelica Jade Bastian mm-hmm. that uh, I'll, I'll post when we review it that, uh, about the female gaze of American Psycho. And, like, a lot of pieces have been written about this and how, like, you know, I think, like, throughout the years it's kind of been, like, misinterpreted or misremembered as this, like, bro movie and, like, people, like, somehow like, idolize Patrick Bateman when they truly shouldn't, because it's really all about, it's really all about toxic masculinity, like, the, the very extreme effects of it, uh, because, like, when you look, when you really look at it, Patrick's a fucking loser, like, yes. all he, like, he gets, like, 
he gets so intimidated even by, like, someone else's business card or that someone else can get, like, reservations when he can't or, like, all that stuff. Um, and is, like, obsessed with his, like, obsessed with his appearance and body even though he doesn't really feel links to his body. It's all, like, a facade. It's all, like he said, he's like, I'm just trying to fit in. Like, that's why he keeps his job and everything, too. Yeah. Because, like, he technically doesn't need the money. Um, but, okay, so... Mary her and whatever her like I love them I'm so glad they have a they have a new movie out by the way folks um called Charlie Says that's about it's kind of like an interesting take on the Manson murders because it's from the perspective of three of the girls that he you know took in and manipulated into the, the terrible murders um and it's about the like deprogramming of them in prison later on and it's like it's like of course like like, no man would think to do that. It's like... <laughs> so, like... And I, I really think... And they're, they're a great team, too. Um, they've done a few other things together. They did a, a biopic on Betty Page. Is that it? Just their third... So maybe three three collabs? But, they, yeah, they're, like, longtime friends and collaborators. It, and it's funny to watch now. Like, I... Uh, Gwenevere Turner got her start making this, like, making this movie during, um, like, the early 90s kind of gay gay indie renaissance called Go Fish. She describes it as just <laughs> dykes in their 20s in Chicago, and that really is what the movie's about. <laughs> so, like, watching that now and being like, man, this girl made American Psycho go off. <laughs> My kind of gal. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah, because I feel like this movie could have really gone off the rails if it had been, like, anybody else but Mary Heron. For sure. Because, um, like, she was, like, it was somebody else was supposed to direct it, and then, like, he walked, and then they hired her, mm. and then she walked, and then whoever replaced her decided on, no, uh, like, it just fell apart, and then they brought her back and got oh. it created. Yeah, there was, like, a bunch of... I didn't know she walked away. Yeah, because, um, I wish I could remember how it, like got set up but like basically uh yeah she was the original to go but she no no she left the project um because she wanted to get christian bale to star and then Mm -hmm. um lionsgate told heron uh no we're going we want to offer to leonardo dicaprio to play bateman even though they had said uh that they would allow her to cast Christian Vale if as long as she got two other big names like Willem Dafoe and Reese Witherspoon who got hired. Uh, so she walked and <laughs> so Oliver Stone was hired to replace her uh, and was oh working from God. a script by Matt Mark Walder. Um, James Wood was supposed to be Kimball, Cameron Diaz was supposed to be uh, Evelyn and Elizabeth Berkeley as Courtney and Chloe Sevney as uh, Jean. Um, Jared Leto was always kept in the project. He never moved. Um, but to kill Jared Leto. Head of the time. <laughs> um, when DiCaprio left to shoot the beach uh, and the budget got out of control, uh, Stone left. And so Lionsgate was like, fine, we'll bring her back. And basically she got God. her casting that she wanted. So I was like, uh, Christian Bale owes everything to Mary Heron, just so we know. <laughs> we all owe everything to Mary Heron. Like, I couldn't. The, the movie you just described to me would have been fine, probably, but totally different and not at all, like, 
I think, the, the take on toxic masculinity. Oh, movies. yes. <laughs> um, it would have just been, like, a straight-up, like, hey, look at how, like, edgy and gritty. Yeah. Like, this guy yeah. sucks. He's evil, man. And stuff. It's... God. <laughs> One thing I really appreciated noticing, because I, so, you know, I, I hadn't seen this probably the whole way through since, like, high school. Mm-hmm. And we all... We, we all, like, went around, like, doing his monologues because we're theater kids and got all of our monologues from this uh, website that had, like, movie monologues and they had Patrick's monologues. So there's a bunch of, like, 17-year-olds going, don't just stare at it, eat it. Uh, so I haven't seen it then, but what? <laughs> there's just, like, little subtle things where, like, so obviously, like, like, the women in this are all, um... Like, Patrick's the central character, and the women in it are all involved with him, but there's just, like, every every woman he interacts with, from, like, you know, his secretary to the, the escorts he's with, even to, like, the woman he sees on the street, like, that little scene, like, all of them, they they have a moment of, like, or they have, like, fear yeah. in their eyes just when interacting yeah. with him. Like, that, it's like, oh! Yeah. It's like, you can, you can almost see, like, their instincts screaming at them to, like, don't go into the car, don't, like, get away from this guy, yeah. but, like, they just ignore it, and it's, like... And it and it's not because they, like, they obviously know yeah. he's a serial killer, but, like, they just know that any man yeah. they interact with could be oh, dangerous yes. to them. And you see that, and then, oh, yeah. like, yeah, from, oh, should I get into the car? And even when, um, when the two girls are in his apartment, they keep sharing these, like, looks, like, are we, like, safe? Yeah. <laughs> like, when he's just doing, like, That's such a his monologues, scene. or he's, like, talking about the music, they kind of just, like, look at each other, and they're like, is this guy okay? Like, do we yeah. need to get out of here? <laughs> you gotta, you go. gotta go. Oh my god, I just read. Uh, the novel was originally optioned in 1991, <laughs> uh, and Brett Easton Ellis was set to write the script for the director, Stuart Gordon, and Johnny Depp was gonna star as Patrick Bateman. Ew. And they were- to do the film in black and white and get as close to the books would have been, like, an X rating. And then the project fell through and David Cronenberg replaced Gordon and Brad Pitt was set to star and then that failed to get off the ground. God. See, I don't know why that's like, so funny. Like, Stuart Gordon and Cronenberg probably, like, those would have been interesting, but, like, again, like, it just, I don't know. It would have been really different. It would have been the same. No, son. Yeah. Uh, ugh. Just Christian Bale, he just nailed it, so it's like, anybody else, I can't even imagine. Yeah, like, <laughs> all, like, all of the, I forgot how fucking funny this movie is, like, his performance and, like, all the other, like, the yuppies he works with, I did not remember Justin Thoreau was in this, I always thought the first thing I saw him in was Charlie's oh, and yeah. Throttle, but apparently it was this. <laughs> I'm like, who was like Josh Lucas? I'm like, all these guys, I'm like, they're so funny. <laughs> all of their scenes together, the, the way they talk and interact, I'm like, it's so specific. I'm like, I don't know if any other movie before this had done that kind of like, like who? I think Mary Mary Heron was talking about one of the reasons she thinks this might not have worked initially was that like, it might have been too soon to like make fun of the '80s since it was 2000. So, yeah, like, I yeah. think this was one of the first movies to do kind of that and, like, make fun of, like, the yuppies on Wall Street, which later on, you know, like, Wolf of Wall Street and etc. would do. But, <laughs> but um, because, yeah, as much, as much as it is horror and we're a horror podcast, this is also, like, they consider it a satire and a comedy, and you can see that in the, the way the characters are portrayed. 
Um, oh, I also wanted to mention yeah. how much I love the music in this. That I had never noticed yes. before. It's very, like, Bernard Herrmann-esque, like, Hitchcock-esque, and, like, elevates everything, because it's so, like, extra. <laughs> like, yes. It's, like, all these, like, swells of music when he's, like, running around New York City. I'm like, oh, yes. Walking on sunshine when he's walking into the office, and I was just... Yes. It's like, I forgot this was in this movie. Oh, those headphones. <laughs> yeah, what a soundtrack. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think they said that they spent, like, the biggest part of their budget was, like, getting the rights to the music to, like, oh, play in this it. film. So it was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I believe yeah. that so much. So yeah, they didn't really have... Was Willem Dafoe really the biggest star they had? Was, was he even I a guess. big star then? I guess he was, like, like, getting up there, so they were like, yeah. Get, getting up that, like, boondock thing, maybe? Uh, like, I'm trying to think. I think he was in that movie. Spider-Man would be, like, a couple years later, but I'm sure he was more a step. Yeah. This is just my millennial brain. I'm like, oh, Willem Dafoe uh, was created with Spider-Man, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, Reese Witherspoon had, this was pre-legally blonde, also how my brain sees her, but this... But she had done, like, oh I think, like, Election and Cruel Intentions. So these are their stars, like, the stars of, like, indie hits. <laughs> so, yeah, I believe that the biggest part of their budget was the music. Yeah, yeah. Too bad no one lived uh, again from this movie. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I think, like, when they were originally getting started, uh... And they had somebody else, they had, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh -huh. was, like, asking for, like, $21 million to play the lead, um, which What's forced her? the budget up to, like, $40 million. Um, then when so he quit... the budget? <laughs> yeah, really. And so when he Ooh, quit yeah. and Christian Bale came back um, to resume the role, the budget went back down to, like, $7 million, because he wasn't asking for that much. So oh, yeah. it took in, like, a huge excess from the box office when it... Uh, it, when it premiered in the theaters, so they were just like, oh, thank God, we actually got Christian Bale back. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should have listened to Mary Harron or something. <laughs> maybe we should listen to women for once. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, it's like, because he just went so hard for this role, like, Apparently, he turned down other film offers and auditions for, like, nine months. It's, like, hoping he won back the part for Patrick Bateman. Uh, so, I'm like, Christian Bale was just, like, he knew. He's like, I gotta got do it. this. I gotta do this. <laughs> huh. Oh, I put... Let me... I should have done this earlier. I found the quote from said, um, Village Voice article that quotes, um, Guinevere Turner, mm -hmm. the screenwriter, uh, the interview she had with Days, she says, I very much think American Psycho is a feminist film. It's a satire about how men compete with each other in this hyper-real universe we created. Women are even less important than your tan or your suit or where, where you summer. And to me, even though all the women were sort of tragic and killed, it's about how men perceive and treat them. So, so, like... No offense to, you know, Cronenberg and Gordon, etc., all the men attached to this, but I don't think any of them would have thought to approach this story in that way and even consider, like, the women yeah. in this universe. <laughs> like, I think some of the media, when they talked about the film after it premiered, they said, like, it's an adaption of a novel written by a misogynist directed by a feminist. <laughs> it's 
So I was like, that's truly, that's truly it. Yep. Written by a truly, it. <laughs> like, truly. Uh, so shall we talk some true crime? Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So even though it's not, like, super connected uh, to it, um, the crime guy we are talking about today uh, this occurred in t- 2014. Crime guy. Uh, this 22-year-old Elliot Roger, who uh, lived in Isla Vista, California. He killed six people and injured 14 others near the campus of University of California, Santa Barbara, um, before he... Uh, killed himself inside his vehicle and they said that he made references to Patrick Bateman um or that he saw Patrick Bateman as like an inspiration um, for taking out like all like all his frustrations that he was having about life so it was just so wild to read like I don't even know (laughs) this guy's just an asshole well that's Oh, a gross misinterpretation. It's, it's Yeah, this is in the same realm as like Fight Club where it's like the, I don't know if you actually uh If any white man's it, like, but... Oh I love Fight Club, I'm like, stay away from me. Electric <laughs> chair. Sorry, we go. Um, so, Elliot Roger was originally born in London, England, and moved to the United States when he was five years old. He was raised in Los Angeles. Uh, his mother was, uh, Lin Chin Roger, a Malaysian research assistant for a film company, and his father is British filmmaker Peter Roger, uh, whose credits include working as a second unit assistant director for The Hunger Games. Oh. Uh, so he also has a stepmother, uh, grandparents, and a younger sister and younger half-brother. Um, according to his family's attorneys and family friend, Roger had seen multiple therapists since he was eight years old, and while he was a student at SBCC during his 1999-2000 school year, uh, the lawyer Crane claimed that Roger was receiving psychiatric treatment, but Roger was never formally diagnosed with a mental illness. Uh, when he reached ninth grade, he was increasingly bullied, and he wrote that he cried by himself at school every day, and I was just like, okay, that's like the only relatable thing. <laughs> Middle school is hell. Um, and uh, during his time at Crespi Carmelite High he was bullied by other students who once taped his head to his desk when he fell asleep oh my god oh man that's that's rough (laughs) I'm sorry dude but that still doesn't like cool story still murder (laughs) yeah (laughs) so Roger had a YouTube account and a blog titled Elliot Rogers official blog uh, both of which contained posts expressing loneliness and rejection he wrote that he had been prescribed respiridin but refused to take it stating after researching this medication I found that it was the absolute wrong thing for me to take my god he sounds like an anti-vaxxer oh my god (laughs) I did research so I know what's best for me (laughs) (laughs) I went on WebMD Uh, After turning 18, Roger began rejecting the mental health care that his family provided, and he became increasingly isolated. Uh, He claimed that he was unable to make friends, although acquaintances said that he rebuffed their attempts to be friendly. And according to Roger in 2012, the one friend that he had in the whole world who truly understood him blatantly said he didn't want to be friends anymore without offering him a reason for ending the friendship. So, that was fun. Uh... And then on April 30th of 2014, about three weeks before his killing spree, Roger's parents contacted police after becoming alarmed by his behavior in YouTube videos. He wrote in his manifesto that is like 107,000 words long. 
it was a video that got uploaded on YouTube, and I think it stayed up there for a while. Uh, he had already planned the killings and purchased his guns by that time, and that officers who interviewed him at his apartment would have found the weapons if they had conducted a search of his bedroom. Uh, Santa Barbara County Sheriff Bill Brown later said that the deputies determined he did not meet the criteria for an involuntary hold and that Roger told them it was a misunderstanding. So the manifesto that he published was titled My Twisted World, The Story of Elliot Roger. He emailed about to about a dozen people, including his therapist, his friends, and some of his other family members, former school teachers, and childhood friends. Uh, in his last YouTube video that he uploaded was titled Elliot Roger's Retribution. He complained of being rejected by women and described details of his upcoming attack, also laying out his motivations and plans. Uh, the police were investigating the video when it was uploaded, um, but not in time to stop the killings from happening. Uh, the video was deleted from Roger's account, but copies were repeatedly reposted by other, other users. Uh, and this is part of what the video says. Uh, well, this is what my last video. It has come down to this. Tomorrow is the day of retribution, the day in which I have my revenge against humanity, against all of you. For the last eight years of my life, ever since I hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires, all because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. Oh, Jesus Christ, entitled men. Um, God... <laughs> Yeah. He wrote in My Twisted World that being a mixed race made him different from the normal fully white kids. On one online forum, he said that he opposed interracial dating and made several racist posts regarding African-American, Hispanic, South Asian, and East Asian people, stating that seeing men of these ethnic groups socializing with white women makes you want to quit life. Uh, I don't want to read his online posts because it's just absolutely disgusting. But just, yeah, he was a racist, sexist asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Roger's self-proclaimed ideal world, just to show you how much he hated women, uh, he imagined that he would quarantine all women in concentration camps. At these camps, the vast majority of the female population would be deliberately starved to death. Uh, it would be an efficient and fitting way to kill them all off. I would have an enormous tower built just for myself and gleefully watch them all die. Uh, in the manifesto, he also said that he planned to kill his half-brother and stepmother, but wasn't mentally prepared to kill his father. So, that was before it all happened. Just absolute fucking insane. Um... The killing spree began at Roger's apartment on Spell Road, where three men were found dead. They had been stabbed to death, according to most sources. Uh, they were, police removed a knife, a hammer, and two machetes from the apartment, but they had not said which weapon or weapons were used in the murders. Uh, authorities are, were investigating the possibility that all three men were killed while they were sleeping. Uh, Roger was seen sitting in his car in the parking lot of his apartment building at about 8.30 p.m. working on his laptop. Uh, the retribution video was uploaded at 9.17, and the manifesto emails were sent at about 9.18. Roger then drove to the Alpha Phi sorority house at M. Bardicaro del Norte and Segovia Road. He knocked on the sorority house door for a few minutes. After no one answered, he began shooting people who were nearby. Uh, two women were killed and a third was wounded. He then fired at a nearby couple. The man was wounded while the woman received a superficial graze injury. Once he got back to his car, he drove two blocks to the Isla Vista Deli Mart on Pardell Road, where he briefly got out of his car and fatally shot a student who was inside. His car was seen leaving the scene by four responding foot patrol officers, but they did not identify him as the shooter at that time. 
He then drove south on to embark Hadero del Norte on the wrong side of the road, where he fired at two pedestrians on the sidewalk, missing them both. Uh, that, cur- that road curves up near a 7-Eleven convenience store, forming the loop where he continued firing and managing to hit a woman in the leg. He then drove south on the street and shot and missed at a woman, turned east on Del Playa Drive, then made a U-turn and drove west, where he exchanged fire with a sheriff's deputy who was responding to the 911 call that had been made around 927, uh, and he hit a bicyclist. bicyclist. Students at the Isla Vista Church on Del Playa near Camino del Sur were completing a service of worship at the time, and they heard gunfire. And turning north on Camino del Sur, uh, Roger shot and wounded three people at Sabato Tarde. Turning east on Sabato Tarde, he turned. He struck two skateboarders and shot another person at the intersection uh, with Camino Pescadero. Uh, near Little Acorn Park, he again exchanged gunfire, this time with three sheriff deputies, and was wounded in the left hip. He then turned south a second time on Embarcadero, west again on Del Playa, and struck another bicyclist, then crashed on the north sidewalk just east of the intersection of Del Playa and Camino Pescadero. He was found dead with a gunshot wound to his head. Police said he apparently um, completed suicide. A total of seven people died, including Roger, and 13 others were wounded. So, like, he was just taken out pretty much anybody that he could find in this. It's just insane. Um, so all six of the murder victims were students at the University of California, Santa Barbara. All six were declared dead at the scene of their attacks. Uh, the men that were killed at his apartment were identified as George Chen, who was 19, Chen Yuan James Hong, who was 20, and uh, Wei Han David Wang, 20 years old. Um, Hong and Chen were confirmed to be Roger's co-tenants, according to the apartment lease. And the police were investigating whether Wang was also a resident or just visiting the apartment on the night of the killings. The three who died of gunshot wounds were identified as Catherine Cooper, who was 22, Christopher Michaels Martinez, 20 years old, and Veronica Weiss, who was 19. Uh, Cooper and Weiss were members of the Delta 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 sorority, and they were killed outside the Alpha Phi sorority house while Michaels Martinez died at the Isla Vista Deli Mart. Um... So the eight other people were managed managed to make it out alive, um, and they were uh, only two were in serious condition in all of them at the hospital. Um, all the surviving members were released from the hospital on graduation day at UCSB, and five attended the graduation ceremonies. And the UCSB also awarded posthumous degrees to the six slain students. So that was. That was really good of them to do that. So there was, like, a huge thing going on after this came out. Um, There was talk about, you know, gun control and mental health as we have done this dance, like, 20 times at least, like, once a week. Um, There was also a huge thing about, like, the misogyny, considering the video that he uploaded, the manifesto that he had sent that talked about just how much he hated women. Um... Yeah. And just, like, because it said that um, Amanda Heiss, who uh, was writing for The Slate, argued that even though uh, Roger killed more men than women in this attack, his motivations were still misogynistic because his reason for hating the men he attacked was that he thought they stole the women who he felt entitled to. So honestly, it just comes back around to men feel very entitled to women's bodies, and... And when they don't get what they think that they deserve, they take it out on just anybody that is close enough that 
can be in the revenge plot. So that is Elliot Roger, who was whose real model is pretty much Patrick Bateman. That's what I that's what I read. So that's how it connects to that movie. But unlike uh, My Patrick Bateman. Um, <laughs> He was just, I, I feel like he was way worse. He was probably about the equivalent of the book version of Patrick Bateman um, than the movie version, because the movie version is, like, so tame compared to what Brett really? and Ellison wrote. Yeah. Cause Did you, have you read the book? I read some parts of the book, um, because I'm just okay. like, I don't want to buy it, because I'm like, I don't want to give Brett Easton Ellis any <laughs> scrap of my money. He's like, fuck yeah. that guy. Um but, like, he's a lot more, like, misogynistic, he's a lot more sexist, a lot more violent. Like, there's a part in the book where I, sorry that this gets graphic, but I must say it because this is just how horrifying it is. A rat is shoved into a woman's vagina. Ooh. And um, I was talking about it with my friends, and they're like, you know, if a guy had made this movie, it probably would be, A, a lot more violent, and the B, they probably would have put that scene in there. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I don't uh, think this movie doesn't shy away from violence or, like, how oh, no. the protagonist is, but it's just not, like... <sighs> I can't think of the word. Like, it's not, like, fetishizing the act or anything. Uh, the women done to, like, the violence that's done to them, it's, like, for the most part, we don't see it. It's just, like, the yeah. aftermath of it. So it, yeah, like, like, it like keeps, the chainsaw? Like, it's just not, like, you know, traumatizing women's bodies just for the sake of, like, how most horror directors like will do it and yeah. like they're not just getting naked on screen because just because or they're not like scantily clad like all the time just because um but like there's yeah, like it's a always a purpose for... yeah, yeah so it's not just you know just there just to be like male gazing so i think uh mary heron did a good job with that just like keeping the violence to the women just like as the violence and not just to like, draw it out or make it linger and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's true. You pointed out, like, I don't think you would see him, like, you don't fully see the kills, like you said, just the aftermath. Mm -hmm. Like, the, like, the head in the fridge, or then the... When, when uh, the sex worker gets killed on the, that, that staircase kill. Um, yeah. Just see, yeah. You just see her body afterwards. Ugh. Mm -hmm. And you see, even, the fun fact, if people didn't know that the, the woman that um, Patrick kills underneath the bed sheets where he's, like, biting her, that's the writer. That's one of her time Because she's also yeah. an actress. Um, <laughs> so what did, also, before we get into the last part, like, what did, what did you think of the ending and, like, the interpretation of it? Because his whole, like, killing spree and then, like, how, like, I don't know if we'll believe if we're not even sure that happened or if. And even, like, Paul Allen's, like, apartment being, like, scotch-free of all the dead bodies he had, and, like, Paul Allen being alive, like, is that, is that supposed to just mean that, like, well, he really just, like, he can get away with everything, or is it, like, supposed to be that it's all in his head? Like, what do you um, think? I feel like that, I really, like, kind of, like, like that ending, um, because it could be just, like, this is a man who is absolutely sick and like part of it could be taking place in his head and part of it could just be like you know he really did do these horrible things um but there also could be the idea that he doesn't kill anybody but just fantasizes about it and like just like 
conveys that through all the drawings that his that, uh, Gene, the secretary, finds in order to, like, get it out of his head. Um, which is why, like, also in the film where he's, like, shooting at the officers and it just randomly blows up the car. <laughs> yeah, it's so stylized, that scene. And like, the feeder like, stray cat. In the 1980s, like, there were a lot of action movie tropes where the cars just seemed to, like, blow up at... <laughs> Like, when they get shot with a gun. So, like, when yeah. he looks at it, like, what's that? And it's just, like, like poking fun at it. So it might be, like, an idea, like, oh, this is all just, like, taking place. This is mine. This is not really happening. Um, and just, you know, yeah. so, so and the, and in the, the ending the where end. he, like, does the confession over the phone, it's just, like, these are all things that either he actually did or he thought he committed these crimes. And that's why his lawyer, like, didn't take him seriously. Yeah. Because he thought he was just joking around and, like, so he didn't actually kill Paul Allen. Paul Allen's still alive. He just, like, came up with that idea. And I have to say that scene in the movie is, like, one of my favorite scenes because the dancing and the moonwalking was all improv and I'm just, like, <laughs> I don't know why it just makes the scene so much better. He just moonwalks back with the hatchet and he's like, I have a raincoat on. Turn up Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> So, I, I just love that oh, scene so much. Oh, yeah. Do you think Hannibal was referencing that raincoat scene in, like, the um, the show, not the movie? Oh, I, I hope so. The, I forgot, because I forgot that I when I watched uh, Yakamoto, <laughs> which uh, ruined my life, that episode, but, like, he's wearing all that plastic, I'm like, Patrick Bateman vibes, and then, well, I also noticed, like, the opening credits of this gave me Hannibal vibes, too, oh, with know, all right? the, the way the, like, the knives and the food and the presentation, yes. everything, like, ooh. Yeah. Did this inspire Do we have to, we gotta at Brian Fuller and be like, were you inspired by American Psycho for some of the stuff yeah. in Hannibal? Because there's similarities that are just too close yeah. to be like, oh my god. We're like, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Oh, I'm just thinking about Chilton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we've come to the final part. Is American Psycho a gay film? Wow, there is ass eating. Uh, <laughs> I would say, <clears throat> so obviously, like, the movie itself isn't, but, like, a lot of the people involved in it are gay, yeah. which, uh, like, so that's always, like, a discussion in itself. It's like, is content considered queer just because of its creators? Like, Brett Easton Ellis is gay, and then... Really? The yeah. What? <laughs> like... Gay? Yeah. Ugh. I mean, he still sucks, but he's gay. God damn it. Yeah, he's dating, he's dating like a millennial. He's dating like a 20-something. Ah! Uh, <laughs> look it up, kid. I don't but, like um, this. This is the bad place. <laughs> but, so, with that said, and then the... <laughs> so, so, the people involved, and... Uh, oh, and there is, um... There is Lewis, the like closeted yeah. character. Yeah, that's that's an interesting he, scene. Yeah, that's like um, that's a very interesting scene because like he has like the gloves on, he's about to like strangle him, but then he like turns around, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I've been waiting this long time. I, you know, I want you. I know you want me." And so he just looks like he doesn't know what to do, and so he just kind of like takes off. He's truly he's, like, shook. shook. He's like, because like, oh, it seems like it's like the one instance where like somebody expresses that they actually like want to be with him. Because everybody else is just there yeah. by either convenience or, like, because he pays them to be. So I'm, I'm like, he's like, I don't True. know what to do with this, so I'm just going to walk out of here. <laughs> Going. <laughs> well, he 
too with um, what's her name? With Chloe's with Chloe's oh, character, I um, forgot her character's name. Yes, her Courtney. Like the her, her secretary. Courtney, yeah. yeah, thank you. Like uh, he because she obviously like genuinely cares for him in whatever way you might interpret too, and so he like has to stop himself and have her leave. So like, um, but yeah, with Lewis there, there's also that. That whole segment also, like, feeds into the way, like, because with the, with the 80s setting, there's all that, the bro culture and the, the homophobia that surrounds it, and so, like, he and his co-workers are always making comments about stuff like that, and so then when he actually comes face-to-face with a gay man and his hit on one, he's just, like, at a, he's at a loss for words and has to fucking yeah. leave. <laughs> yeah. And the AIDS <laughs> epidemic, too. Especially prevalent in this time. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, they do, like, a little reference yeah. to that, but I think it's just Justin Thoreau being a dickhead. Because yeah. it's, it's, like, more mentioned in the novel than the film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely, they're, like, he, like, truly had no idea what to do, so he was just, like, out about and, so, and, and then the end, when he's, like, across the restaurant, and the dude, he just looks back, and the dude's, like, call me. <laughs> just the little, the little hand thing. I just, like, died right there. Aww. I was just, like, laughing. This is so funny. I don't know why it was so funny to me, because I just, just, like, for, like, a horror movie, I was not, I just completely forgot about that, and just, like, I was like, I I wish I could just say that to somebody across the room. Call me. Yeah. Call me. Oh, uh, sweet Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he didn't die. Oh, it's, yeah, I know, right? I feel bad for his fiance though. Like, I know. Because, like, you can tell she knows. Like, and that's oh. why she's, like, having an affair in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I should do another plug. That actress, um... Fuck, I'm blanking. Isn't she a lesbian? That actress? Um... Is she? Um... I was like, ah, uh, the... Liz, like, the girl that... Samantha Mathis? That's what I'm trying to... Uh, I think she is. I swear Hold I read on, somewhere where she's like, well, it was we're the gonna one do that said, this, we're gonna do some digging on it. Like, I'm not into lesbianism. Oh, well that, she's like, I'm not into lesbianism. And then like, whoever, like the girl that said that, I remember reading, it's like, she's actually like, she went to the college that, oh, well that, she, oh, like he mentioned, oh, that, no. and like, she is a lesbian. <laughs> no, you went to yeah. Sarah Lawrence. The, no, that's, yeah. That, yeah. That, well, that's Gwyneth Turner. That's who Okay, is, yeah, yeah. Gwyneth Turner. Huge lesbian. Okay, I love that. I wanted to mention that line. Thank you for reminding me because that's so yes. funny. She's like, oh, I'm not a lesbian. He's like, but you went to Sarah Lawrence. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I just oh, Samantha Mathis who plays um Lewis's fiance. I just wanted to point out, that, yeah. first of all, that I found her name and that she's in a really good um female directed horror movie on Netflix called All That We Destroy. I'm just giving free like publicity to shit. <laughs> oh, for the I started that today. Yeah. Yeah, so good. I'm loving it already. Yeah, that another another example of I think of like a story that would only work with a female perspective on a story, and it's the the feature debut of Chelsea Stardust, who was Jason Blum's assistant for years. And like, mm-hmm. I'm just like I don't even know her, but I'm so happy for her. I know. <laughs> so but anyway, so yeah. Um, Am I covering all the gay shit for this? Yeah. I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's my job. Yes. And I take it very seriously. 
So I think it gets, like, the movie itself is probably, it's very straight. Um, oh, well, yeah, because it's all about the, that straight bro culture. Yes, um, but the people who created it, uh, definitely gay. Yeah, so it's almost like they're, you know, that's why it's a satire. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Um, so, like, in, I have to mention in the one scene, because this is just really funny to me, uh, where there's, like, the, to block the three-way sex scene with the two escorts, um, so that way it could get, like, be rated R and not like X or NC seventeen oh. or anything. Um, Mary Heron and Christian Bale watch X rated tapes together. Uh, in her commentary, oh uh, she said that Bale made stick figure drawings of the positions that he thought would work best, <laughs> and I'm just like, same. <laughs> just makes... I want to see. I would like to see it. <laughs> I would like to see these stick figures that you drew, Christian Bale. Please post them. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I want to watch. Porn with Mary Heron? Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and I also forget, because I've just heard Christian Bale just in American movies all the time, that he's Welsh. And apparently many yeah. of like, the crew thought he was speaking that way for like another film, and they thought he was American the entire time, and it's like, nah, man. Oh, is he preparing? They're, in, oh, that's sh- they're like, oh, shit, he's not American. <laughs> That's not. Yeah, wait till they hear Bale. That's a good American accent. What? That's a good American accent when you think it's like. Because so many actors I know that I like did American accents and then they do. Like they go back to their native accent. I'm just like, I have to do like a double take. Just like, are you sure? (laughs) Or if you're Charlie Hunnam, it all just melds together and you don't. It's not one accent. You just sound fucking weird. Is he English, American, British? Is he is he from Australia? We just don't know. Is he gay or European? Who knows? Oh my god, they're right there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. It's just such a good movie. Um, and like, for what it's called and like how it sounds, it's not nearly as like violent of a movie as I've seen like other movies. Yeah. take care of in horror films so like i think if you read like the imdb like warnings and stuff um and you're like oh i could probably handle this and it's definitely a movie i think that you should at least see once just to be like get your get your woman director yeah uh, up a notch and just or like, give it another chance if you haven't seen it in a while like <laughs> i did like i feel like you know it had been a long time and i really it seemed fresh to me and i really enjoyed it yeah, yeah. definitely um, um, oh, oh, one last thing I must mention. They had <laughs> designer labels during uh, production for this movie, but they had a lot of problems with it because uh, Saruti agreed that they would allow Christian Bale to wear their clothes, but not when he was killing anybody. Uh, Rolex agreed <laughs> that anyone in the film could wear their watches except for Bateman, which is why the famous line from the book Don't Touch the Rolex was changed to Don't Touch the Watch. Uh, Perry Ellis provided the underwear at the last minute after Calvin Klein pulled out uh, of the project, <laughs> and Comme de Garçons refused to allow one of their overnight bags to be used to carry a corpse, so Jean-Paul Gaultier was used instead. Where did you get that overnight bag? <laughs> Jean-Paul Gaultier. <laughs> And just, I, oh also the sound effects of, like, the business cards being, like, shown was just, like, slowed down the sound of a, of a sword being drawn from its sheath. So it's like, check out these cards. And she, that seems so funny. And then Christian Bale's like, I'm mad, I gotta go kill somebody now. 
Oh my god. It's it's just so good. I love it. I think it's such a well done movie too. So just mm-hmm. especially considering its source material. Um Yeah. It was it was handled extremely well and I think that if it wasn't for that it probably would not have done nearly as well as it as it did and Christian Bale probably would have had yeah. like a career suicide as he was warned instead of just absolutely taking off and becoming the big A-lister that he is today. Well, yeah, Batman was how soon after this was Batman? It was like 2005. Let me look. Batman Begins. Oh yeah, wait. so that took off. Went right there. They were like, "Yeah, let's get this guy. He's good." We saw American Psycho. They're like, wait a minute, Bateman, Batman, wait a minute. <laughs> Add angst. We got him. Um, so yeah, that's that's my review of American Psycho. <laughs> yeah. See, I'll, I'll post that uh, Village Voice review that I mentioned so folks can check it out if they want. There's a lot of interesting pieces written on, you know, the the feminist voice that's in mm-hmm. this movie. Um, worth taking a look at, worth revisiting. Uh, we have got, this might be our longest episode. We just go, we just love American Psycho, I guess. Um, so where can people find Stop Horror Time on social media? Uh, we'll be here on Facebook at Stop Horror Time uh, Podcast and at Stop Horror Time Pod on Twitter. Um, and we are just on any place you could find your podcasts make sure you give us a review rating um tell us if you got any movies you'd like to see us talk about uh we're available at stophorrortime at gmail.com to reach us there or you can just uh add us on twitter we'll probably respond like right away because we got nothing else to do <laughs> yeah well, <gasps> a customer <laughs> like we're here um where can we find you kate i'm at panzer lance on twitter my Tony Curtis face has kind of died down, but he's still there in my life, and so you might see me post about him. <laughs> um, wild ride. And wild ride. Been wild. Yeah. Oh, and so we also uh, we're gonna have another uh, special guest next yes. week uh, to do John Carpenter's The Thing. So yes. look forward to that. Peak Russell Kurt. Peak Russell Kurt. Ah, fuck. Carrot. Fuck. What's his name? You can do it. Kurt Russell. Kurt I don't know Russell? why I wanted to say Carrie Russell. <laughs> I wish Carrie Russell was in The Thing. God, that, that The Thing is just peak Kurt Russell looks. Can we can we, can we we trick Z and just do the the prequel with Joel Edgerton <laughs> and Mary Elizabeth Winstead instead? Just <laughs> <laughs> like pull a fast one. Oh, I wish. You just have to speed through the dog scenes. I'm very sorry. That's intense. (laughs) All right. (laughs) We'll get into all that next week. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye.